mass of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? This is my country. I'm proud to call it home. This is my country. And I'll never stand alone. It's time for populism with a purpose. Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician, and she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. And welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. Over the past few days, the wall-to-wall televised fire, fury, and bedevilment that now passes for what, for governing, went well beyond the imagination of any successful Hollywood scriptwriter. My purpose is different. I've come to inform you, to give you information that will enable you to make an independent judgment on current events, and then to encourage you to act on that judgment. As a businesswoman, I focus a lot on the numbers, although this week there are some things that happened that I don't know how to quantify. So I don't need numbers to tell me this week that things our government, Washington, D.C., is out of the norms, that it needs critical attention, immediate triage, And then we need to look at how to prioritize meaningful 21st century change in how we govern ourselves, lest we lose that opportunity. So this week, the 1930s are calling. They want their mistaken isolationist economic and foreign policy back. Nine hours of Senate Judiciary Committee hearings Held a, to- held a televised world enthralled in a discussion of teenage drinking and the potential for sexual misconduct while under the influence. I just want you to think for just a moment that on Thursday, while this was happening, the leaders of the world were assembled in New York City, and as they drove through or walked through Times Square, they saw on these enormous television screens that go 7 by 24 in Times Square, this hearing, this discussion of a 17-year-old's yearbook page, uh, an interrogation of that yearbook page, This is the impression world leaders left New York with. We are the most powerful, authoritative country in the world. Is this the world? How must the world be looking at us on this Sunday morning? Governor Jerry Brown this week vetoed two new pieces of legislation that would have expanded immigrant rights in California. It's a further effort to blur, 
to the point of absolutely obscuring the line between citizenship and legal and illegal immigration. Six years late, the FAA was reauthorized by Congress. Yes, the FAA has been operating without an authorization for six years. That's what you get with continuing resolutions. And the House of Representatives finally passed that reauthorization this week, and Anna Eschew took a position on, on it which um, was courageous and necessary, and we'll talk about it for just a moment. And two major roof support beams in a brand new, it took us a decade to build, Transbay Terminal have failed. What the heck is wrong at Caltrans that no major project ever comes in on time, on budget, and actually works? Let's talk about that. But let's start with President Trump at the UN. It was, for him, an opportunity to visit his favorite place, his penthouse on Fifth Avenue. And the speech, unfortunately, the speech was applauded only by his own staff and cabinet members. His claim that no administration has ever accomplished as much as his in less than two years was met with open laughter. That was the image conveyed across the world. And the whole world, Mr. President, was not laughing with you. They were laughing at you because we all know that you're braggadocious. Now, a better speechwriter would have modified that in a normal circumstance so that you would have proudly taken credit for a booming economy that's continued under your stewardship um, instead of, um, of overplaying um, the hand. Because, no, you have passed one major piece of legislation. You can't even pass in the Congress of the United States a permanent extension of the, of the uh, lower tax rates that are included for individuals in last year's Tax Cut Act. That passed the House of Representatives, and it's sitting in the Senate, and you don't have 60 votes to get it passed. And that's because we are staring at a trillion-dollar deficit. So how can you have accomplished more than any other president in two years and face a trillion-dollar deficit in your budget this year? So... Whatever your sycophants were telling you, that speech was not a success, and it could have been a success. Rather, it reminded the world once again of the oft-repeated analogy between your, your presidency and, and, um, and Hans Christian Andersen's tale, The Emperor Who Had No Clothes. And I haven't used that line, in I looked it up, in more than a year. I really thought you were making strides, and then this happened. But I also have to say that not since the 1920s that led to the 1930s Depression has American foreign policy been so 
adversarial uh, and self-centered in tone and in tenant. Global alliances, you challenge global alliances. You threaten your closest allies. Sovereignty and patriotism are not exclusive of being an active partner in a global enterprise. Sovereignty is one of the things that you use when you come to a negotiating table as a part of a larger world organization. And in the, the 21st century, those oceans don't protect us anymore. Um, and so going backward to a more um, isolationist foreign policy um, simply doesn't work uh, in, in the 21st century. But just as we go to break, remi- let me remind you of one last thing so we can change the subject after the break, and that is that the Smoot-Hawley tariffs of the 1930s that followed a stock market crash are the impetus for the Great Depression of the 1930s. And the way we got out of that Great Depression was to have World War II. And that's not a pattern I personally would want to see repeated. And we'll be back in just about a minute to talk about Judge Kavanaugh. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. That's reimagineamerica.org. Back in a moment with more Reimagine America on 860 AM. The answer. You're listening to Reimagine America on 860 AM. The answer. Once again, your host, Joyce Cordy. And I lied. Before we talk about Judge Kavanaugh, let's take a moment to praise the president for where he was right in that United Nations speech. And that is that migrants around the world, migrants would rather not be migrants. They would rather stay where they were born and where their families are, and they're driven out of those um, homelands by violence um, and and famine and other things that a global world can work to repair on on site. So the president is actually right on that point. But to create those lives, to help these people stay where they were born, where their families are, where they wanted to make their lives, you need the mighty umbrella that is the United States of America and its allies in NATO and in CETO. You need greater regional participation including uh, the Organization of American States to deal with Venezuela. But the way in which you get those things to happen is to be at the table, not to say you refuse to be part of a consul on a global migrant strategy. You have to be there, you have to assert your sovereignty, and you have to use the strength of this country and its alliances to help to protect those who cannot protect themselves around the world. And that's all we're going to say about that subject. And then let's talk for about 30 seconds about the luckiest man in America, Rob Rosenstein. Okay, that cat has nine lives. Because between 
the United Nations speech and Judge Kavanaugh's um, prosecution, um, Rob Rosenstein just skated right on by a threat by the president to fire him. And so we will hold that thought for next week. We're going to turn to the Kavanaugh hearings because um, I have to say um, I was appalled. I think I think that I agree with both Republican and Democratic senators who on Friday morning said this is the lowest point that that the United States Congress has ever reached. I think it goes beyond the caning of of, of um, Charles Sumner in the 1850s. This was beyond what Clarence Thomas endured uh, in the 1990s, of which I have the vaguest, only the vaguest of memories. And um, I think it bears it bears some thinking, um, and it and it certainly bears some consideration of Dianne Feinstein's um, uh, pursuit of reelection, and it then will take us a little further into top two finisher. And if you've got a comment and you want to either um, agree or disagree, 888-367-5329. 888-367-5329. So what did we see on Thursday, other than me spending about uh, nine hours in front of the television set. Um, We saw two accomplished middle-aged professionals before a sex crimes prosecutor tearing their lives and their families apart in what is, in my view, the ugliest moment in my political memory. As I've told you before, I remember the night John Kennedy was elected. That's probably, you know, as I said, my brother and I would have watched a test pattern because that was the day we got television. Um, In 1960, not everybody had multiple TVs in their house. Um, And if I I strain, and and this might be, um, uh, you know, might, might not be an accurate memory. It might be something I read or saw later on, I think I can vaguely remember um, seeing Adlai Stevenson a few years before that. Um, But I certainly do remember the riots in Chicago at the 1968 Democratic Convention, and I thought at that point um, American democracy could not go lower. Um, I do remember the blue dress, but, but I don't really remember much about the Clinton impeachment trial, either it wasn't televised or it was too boring, or I think I was in the midst of having a career and raising a family. Um, But I have never, in any circumstance, seen anything as shameful um, as what I saw on Thursday. Um, I saw a fawning set of Democrats Um, wanting to build up a woman with a repressed memory who was using scientific facts that are not provable. A lot of theory about brain function turns out to be um, uh, pseudoscience. We we really don't know. We don't know a lot about the brain. If we knew about how the brain really works, we would know how to deal with Alzheimer's. 
but we really do not understand things like repressed memory. Um, we don't understand PTSD. Uh, we don't understand. Uh, we have we have fragmentary understanding of the plaque um, buildup that deals with um, injury that re- results from concussion um, and other things. But we really do not understand the brain, despite the professor's words. Okay, and so um, I think we need to start this discussion with a definition of the word sandbagging. You know, that's a legitimate business term. And what it means in the business world, um, it's something you keep to the end of a negotiation, especially if you want to kill that negotiation. Or you keep it, you know, in a more benign circumstance to the end of a budget cycle because there's something you desperately want in your budget. So you got to have something that you're willing to give up to get what you really want. Okay. And so you sandbag that thing that you're willing to give up. And in the last minute you say, oh, but I could, you know, I want this too. And then the person you're negotiating with says, oh, well, if you'll give up that, we'll give you this thing you really want. Okay. And that's what was happening. That's exactly what Diane Feinstein did to Brett Kavanaugh. She had not less than three separate opportunities in private meetings to say, we've got this anonymous letter that claims that you sexually assaulted her when you were 17. And if this is true, we really think this would be a great moment for you to withdraw your nomination at which point he'd have gone back to the Court of Appeals and, you know, everything would have been copacetic. Or he could have said, it's absolutely not true and you can ask the FBI about that while it was all still confidential. Senator Feinstein had not less than three separate opportunities to privately ask Brett Kavanaugh to share it in the last moment, first with the Democrats and then with the committee chairman, after somebody had leaked it to the Washington Post, is the most blatant example of the politics of personal destruction that I have ever seen that I, as somebody who studied American history and continues to read a lot of American history, can imagine. And yet, what opportunity do we have in November to punish Dianne Feinstein for her misbehavior? Ted Lieu is not an improvement. This woman is going to be reelected. She is going to have her absolutely abysmally bad behavior rewarded at the ballot box. 
Which brings me to yet another thought I had on Thursday morning as this sexual, as the sex prosecutor was gingerly trying to interview Professor Ford. Professor Ford is not Dr. Ford, a PhD who is not a clinician who teaches is a professor, not a doctor. Despite all that gobbledygook, scientific gobbledygook. So, um, my my last impression of that morning session, I have two lasting impressions from that morning session. Um, the, the Republicans in, in general were... Um, you know, they were right and wrong to hire a woman to do the the prosecution, but in the time they had, they didn't. She wasn't well prepared, um, and and they looked a little chicken. And on the other hand, as I looked at Senators Grassley and Feinstein, and Leahy, and Blumenthal, I thought, you know what? We really do need an age limit on the Senate. I'm not saying necessarily term limits, but we need an age limit. And on that note, we are going to go to break. And when we come back, it appears we've got somebody who wants to make a comment. You're listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagine America. We'll continue in just a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. Now, back to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back. And before we take Antonio's call, let's just remember that the American judicial system has a constitutional presumption of innocence. And the women on the Democratic side, most of whom are lawyers themselves, have a constitutional oath, you know, to uphold the Constitution. In the age of Me Too, they couldn't run fast enough to the bloody cameras to say, of course he's guilty. He's guilty because he's a man. Well, I got to tell you, ladies, one, I went to college. I have a pretty good understanding of what goes on. I have a lot of friends who's been to college and their kids have been to college. And as one of them said to me, oh, my God, and today we have, you know, at least when we were there, there was no Facebook. There was no permanent history. But here is the deal. It now appears, it now appears that any woman can come out of the woodwork at any point and take on any man in America, uh, it's become blood sport. Um, and as a nation, we need to address this. We need to find a way to punish the guilty, to understand the nuance in this, and to help both men and women get beyond this moment of confrontation. Yet another point of division. Or as I said, in a, you, you guys should follow me on Twitter. I'm pretty funny. Um, as, as Maisie Hirono of Hawaii was going on and on and on and pointing her finger and, you know, that woman is over the top. 
I tweeted, I'd be much more sympathetic to hashtag Kavanaugh withdrawal if Maisie Hirono, I'm sorry, would just shut up. And she should. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, there are options. Joyce Cordy, all one word, all small letters, J-O-Y-C as in cat, E-C as in cat, O-R-D as in dog, I, okay, is the best way because I often forget to use the um, other, the, the Reimagine America uh, hashtag. I have this wonderful producer who does that for me often. Um, but I'm on Twitter every day, and um, I can be pretty pointed, but I try to do it with good humor. I try to emulate um, uh, Jonah Goldberg and Rick Wilson and, and not be nasty. In any case, um, I thought the sex crimes prosecutor missed the most important part of Dr. Ford's testimony, the most impeachable part of Dr. Ford's testimony. And that doesn't mean that I think there are any angels in this entire situation, because I don't. Um, But we'll talk about that in just a minute after we talk to Antonio. Good morning, Antonio. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, uh, if Hirono would shut up. Yeah, well, let me tell you that Donald Trump could have nominated Jesus Christ for candidate for the Supreme Court, and all the Democrats would vote against it. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. They really, <laughs> they really hope yeah. they can keep this seat open <laughs> until 2020. So you want one interesting statistic? Back yeah, to the uh, back to the back to Marlon to um, to the uh, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, oh, what a moment to forget um, the uh, Obama ap- appointee in in um, twenty in in uh, twenty sixteen Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland, who is on the same circuit as Brett Kavanaugh. They vote the same 90% of the time. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, woman, the woman that actually was there on, uh, making the accusations, we, we cannot forget that this woman is not just a, a, a Democrat. She's a, she was presented as some kind of delegate for the Democratic Party. In other words, she, this woman is a, a parashnik for the Democratic Party. It is not just a, a Democratic voter. And uh, all this time, she was playing the game of, of delay and derail. She was, she was going with the program of the Democrats to, to, to delay her participation. I want this, I want that, I want the other. And... Uh, and then uh, finally, she got to come to uh, to make a statement, and we we heard that uh, kind of crying voice that went all the way when when she was uh, reading that statement. And then when the question started, she was looking kind of foxy, looking with a crossed eye at the at the 
questioner. And I think actually the woman who led the questioning was uh, uh, did a very lousy job. Uh, I didn't go to the to the to the points. Yeah, there I agree with you. She missed the most important point, which after we finish our conversation, I'm going to hone in on um, the thing that astounded me that she didn't follow up on. Um, but yeah, but you know, she was in a really bad position too. So here's what I'm going to try to do in, in, you know, dealing with this from an analytic point of view, I'm going to try to be charitable because I believe that Dr. Ford, um, has been, um, used and abused in this process, uh, just as well as the Kavanaugh's have been. Um, I, I always try to be as charitable as I can be to people. Um, but I will go back and because they're giving me the, the hook here and say, you know, I, I agree with you that it was a setup, but I am going to put the blame principally on the one person who could have kept all of this out of the newspapers. And that is Dianne Feinstein. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's a very sad moment in American politics, and it's a sadder moment for California voters. And on that note, um, they're going to give me the hook here, and we'll talk again soon, Antonio. Thank you. Bye. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. That's reimagineamerica.org. Back in a moment with more Reimagine America on 860 AM. The answer. You're listening to Reimagine America on 860 AM. The answer. Once again, your host, Joyce Cordy. And we're back. And you know what? We're going to run out of time today before we run out of topics. But let's let's hone in on a couple more things about this Kavanaugh hearing. Um that I found very distressing. Um, Dr. Ford was cute by half in her collusion with Diane Feinstein. And if only there were a way that we could write somebody else in on the ballot, I don't think she could get herself reelected. Uh, but that's a thought to hold for next week because we don't have time for it today. So cute by half, lawyered up to the gills sits this woman. Why do you need two lawyers? If you're just coming to tell a story of an assault that happened to you, why do you need two lawyers? That that kind of puzzled me. Um, It also puzzled me that things that were in my Twitter feed from Senator Grassley's office all week about why the hearing had to be and, and what they'd offered her about people coming to California and doing all this in private and blah, 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 blah. She denied that she had any knowledge of that. The te- I read the tweets myself. You can go back. Even MSNBC broadcasts those. Even CNN broadcasts those. Secondly, that she needed help, quote unquote. She had to ask Diane Feinstein's office for suggestions about lawyers. Would it surprise you to know that two of her brothers are Washington, D.C. attorneys. So there are some 
issues of credibility. But then we get to the moment where I think Rachel Mitchell, the the sex prosecutor from uh, Arizona who was trying to look good on television rather than prosecutorial, um, failed to follow up on the most important question she asked. She asked, uh, Rachel Mitchell asked Christine Ford, Christine Blasey Ford, if she had ever seen Brett Kavanaugh again after that night. And Professor Ford said she had been at four or five additional parties during that summer where Brett was also present. And the answer to the follow-up question was, no, nothing happened during those parties. Now, if I had been assaulted to the point of having a hang-up having to have two front doors built 30-plus years later, would I have been in the same, as a 15, frightened 15-year-old? 15 would I, I mean, if it turned, if, if, it, if it frightened her to see Mark Judd afterwards, how, how did she go to four or five parties where Brett Kavanaugh was present and not run out the door? I want the answer to that question. I hope the FBI can give us the answer to that question. In the meantime... Judge Kavanaugh did not come off well. I get that his Irish is up. I mean, he was sandbagged. He was humiliated. He was a, a, a man who has cultivated the equality of women, who is the father of daughters, who is the coach of the girls' basketball team, um, who has uh, hundreds of women students at Harvard who say he's wonderful, uh, and he is now an accused, not just accused, he is in the eyes of Kamala Harris and Macy Hirono and Dianne Feinstein, and even to some degree, even though she's the most careful, Amy Klobuchar, they're all actually saying, because this woman made this accusation 36 later, you're guilty. And and so I thought the, the opening statement that the judge made was passionate, impassioned, and it was um, and it was appropriate. And after that, he should have limited his answers to yes and no, because his back and forth with the um, with the Democrats was um, shameful on both parts. Uh, he, as a judge, shouldn't allow his temper to get the best of him. Um, that didn't help his nomination, uh, his, his being, assuming that none of this stuff is true or provable, that would not help him get um, the 51 votes he needs. It wasn't judicial temperament. I get why he felt the way he did, but he took the bait, and he shouldn't have taken the bait, especially from Richard Blumenthal. And the fact that Blumenthal gets to go on television and talk about Brett Kavanaugh's credibility when he himself lied his way into the U.S. Senate about his military service just makes me want to put my head through a brick wall. There's such a double standard. There is, if you check your Twitter feed today, a um, tweet from uh, Jonah Goldberg that um, quotes a, it's a retweet of somebody else, and I'm sorry I didn't really catch the other person's name, 
that that has a magazine article um, about a uh, groping assault on um, on a waitress in a private um, room in a restaurant done by Chris Dodd and um, and Ted Kennedy in the middle 1980s. Um, and it is very detailed. It is very graphic. Um, and by the way, they were lions of the United States Senate. So what is the standard of appropriate behavior? How do people get to come out of the woodwork in the screed of hashtag me too? You know what this does to hashtag me too, repressed memory and so forth? A lot of women have been assaulted in the workplace. Okay. A lot of women have been harassed and and inappropriately dealt with in the workplace. I'm going to raise my hand and say it happened to me. Okay. Um, and, and you know what else happened to me? I went to college. I had a really good time in college. I didn't do anything. I, you know, I, I didn't do anything sinful. Um, but I went to a lot of Delta Kappa Epsilon, the fraternity which... Uh, the good judge is now accused of being a member of. I went to a lot of their parties, and there was a lot of beer. But I can remember everything that happened at those parties because you can't drink that much beer to black out. <clears throat> it's going to come back on you. Beer has got a very low al- alcohol content compared to hard liquor, which I guess could make you black out. Me, I learned after a couple of hangovers that... <clears throat> um, I need to watch what I drink because my liver doesn't particularly like it when I do too much of it. And I don't like to feel lousy the next day. So I always try to, you know, I mean, that even at 18, I knew that. But anyway, it is not a crime to be a deke. It is not a crime to belong to a fraternity that has a panty flag. Heck, yours truly organized one of the great Last great panty raids at the University of California, Berkeley. Yep. I got to tell you, you probably don't believe that either. My granddaughters go, you didn't really do that, Grandma, did you? You're making up a story. No, I really did it. Um, So we all have things that we would cringe about now in our later professional lives that we did when we were young and foolish. And none of those are criminal. So... All in all, I thought both of them um, were reasonably um, credible, and I'm looking to the FBI to solve this problem. And that's because if I go back and I think about me as the management consultant that I've been for most of the last 30 years, I learned really early when you're doing a due diligence to either decide you want to take a project or how you're going to actually recommend uh, solving the company's problem, you do a lot of due diligence, okay? You do a lot of individual interviews um, to um, determine what the real situation is because you know what? Every single person has a different version of the truth, And you have to kind of listen to all of them in order to determine what actually is the 80% common core of truth in all of their statements. And what this means in this situation is that 
There are no angels here. They were both teenagers. We don't know exactly what happened, but apparently from what I read in the papers, those um, uh, Catholic schools um, were uh, had pretty rowdy. I mean, their parties got pretty wild, so we, maybe we should all ask their parents. But in the meantime, um, there is her truth and there is his truth. And the real truth lies somewhere in the middle. And that's what the FBI's job is to ferret out. And in the meantime, I think we should all hold our judgment. We should all do what Jeff Flake asked us to do. Take a step back, let the FBI do its thing. The president saying the FBI is limited in scope, um, will not hold water. Chris Ray has to protect his own reputation. And we'll be back with some closing thoughts in just a moment. You're listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagine America will continue in just a moment on 860 AM, The Answer. Now, back to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back with just a few closing thoughts, and I guess we'll be talking about immigration, et cetera, next week. No FBI investigation is ever going to remove the indelible stain of last Thursday. Last Thursday was the low point, a fraught moment in which the irrational, illogical tribalism currently defines our politics, has brought this great republic to a very fraught moment. It wasn't caused by Donald Trump, by electing Donald Trump. It wasn't caused by Judge Kavanaugh's nomination. They're both symptoms of the level of vitriol and demagoguery that is consuming this nation. And while Thursday's hearing brought us all to a new low, it was at once riveting and nauseating. So we owe all the participants, for being the voyeurs, we owe all the participants an apology. Even Cory Booker acknowledged that on on Friday. I think, I think when they looked back at how they had behaved when they saw it on television or talked to their mothers and sisters and wives, uh, many of the senators, including Booker and Graham, realized that they had gone too far. The women, unfortunately, with the exception of Amy Kavanaugh, uh, of Amy um, Klobuchar, did not recognize that they had gone too far. So, and I think the media has a role to play in this. The Washington Post has, has, has behaved like um, the National Enquirer. Um, they have, um, you know, for a Pulitzer Prize-winning newspaper, they've reached a new low. And you know what that new low is? Other than salacious gossip and trafficking, trafficking and, and looking for salacious uh, gossip, 
they have actually said they wonder if Christopher Ray can uh, can impartially investigate the issues at 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 stake in this particular uh, mess. And you know why? Why they question his credibility? Christopher Ray is a graduate of Yale Law School, as is Kavanaugh. So. He was a first-year student. Ray was a first-year student when Kavanaugh was a third-year student. And so the, the Washington Post has already presupposed that Ray will make it a whitewash. Again, I just want to beat my head against a wall and say, where is responsible journalism in America? I guess if the Washington Post isn't practicing it, we're pretty much out of places to go. To go. Which doesn't mean I think the right's always right either. So... On that happy note, we're going to talk about immigration and the FAA next week. But there are a couple of good things to talk about. The new Reimagine America website launched this week. Finally, it's not a tweak. It's a giant leap forward into 21st century technology. Check it out at reimagineamerica.org. And one of the things that we've added in addition to audio capability is a bubble, uh, is a thought bubble for the day. So every day you'll find a, a thought, something that occurred to me that will be um, on the homepage of the new reimagineamerica.org site. Um, there is a place there called Get Involved. You can get on the mailing list. You can send me a comment. You can tell me I'm crazy, whatever you want. Um, and you will also find my Twitter feed on the new site. Um, and so I hope you will check it out. Um, the thought of the day will also appear on Facebook. So that's another place where you can go to my to reimagine-america on Facebook and find the thought for the day. I know what interests me, but I think it's more important what interests you. So if you've got topics you'd like us to cover, uh, guests you'd like us to go after, um, send, me, send me an email at joyce at reimagineamerica.org and we'll make it happen. Um, I do try to respond to as many listener comments as I can. Again, uh, you can find me at Twitter on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or at Reimagine America Radio Hour. Reimagine is independent and nonprofit. If you appreciate our independent, results-oriented, post-political voice, please consider making a small donation at Get Involved. And in the meantime, we'll talk again next week about immigration, the FAA, and whatever else happens. Imagine America with Joyce Cordy. Take a minute now and go to www.reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum, donate, tell others, and sign up to receive future podcasts. That's reimagineamerica.org. And join us again next week for Reimagine America on 860 AM. The answer. This is my country.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.